Spree. 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 Ja. Spree. 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 Hey, Maniacs. <laughs> Are we switching it up? <laughs> Hello. Welcome oh. to the Johnny Carson Show of 1973. No. This, oh. This is Midsummer Maniacs, Midsummer. a comedy recap podcast for the ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week, we delve into a new episode of the series and talk about the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. I'm Sarah. And you are? Mark Bell. What, what are you what are you looking at me like that for? I just did that off the top of my head. Because you were the one who said we should use our last names. <laughs> and you constantly forget to use your last name. Everybody knows it by now. Okay. Smith Robbins. Okay. okay. You got it? You got it? Okay. That's me. So we're not using last names? I don't care. Okay. I don't care. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. If, this you, is... if you let your children dress up like George and Ponzi people... They They're can, ready for this episode. They can handle the episode. They yep. can handle the podcast. Yeah. There's nothing shocking in this episode whatsoever. No, not. Except the unbelievability of some things. Yes. Episode shocking. 115, Death by Persuasion, Season 19, Episode 5. But first, it's Badger Month on Midsummer Murder. It is. Yeah. It's badgers. Badgers everywhere. Badgers, badgers, badgers. So the first badger thing is last week's episode, 114. Mm. Bernie the Badger. Was a stuffed toy that was sent home by the daycare. We thought it would be fun if the Barnabys weren't the only ones who could take a picture with a badger. But yes. Maybe we should all take a picture with a badger. So guess what? I drew a badger. Yes, Sarah drew a badger. And gave him a sign. And we put it in the... We put it in the newsletter. In the newsletter. And so if you get the newsletter, you got it early. You, you already got know early. all about this. And now it's going to be in the show notes for the month of February. Yes. Okay. Well, so the second what half it, of February. Yeah, it's PDFs mm -hmm. that you download, you print it out. One PDF has words. It says, hello, maniacs. Hello, maniacs. <laughs> it says, hey, maniacs on, on Bernie's sign. And the, the other one is blank. So you can write in your own message if you want. Yes. So print that out and then use the hashtag either on Twitter or Instagram, or you can mail it to us. You the can pictures. email it. Uh, the hashtag is Midsummer Bernie. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what do they get if they do this? The 1st of March, three lucky entries will be selected at random and they will receive our new Badger's Drift merch. Yes. What we will do is, is probably give you a gift certificate for a spread shirt that you can use to buy some new merch because one of our awesome listeners, Hillary in from Australia, Australia, otherwise it, known as Essayer online, yes. she is a professional illustrator. She does amazing work. She's good. And I'm she is drawing okay. a picture of, of a, a badger, badger in a roadster. Yes. Drifting. Yes. <laughs> The license plate on the front says Badger's Drift. It's awesome. He looks like he's going real fast. Yep. It's super well done. And I can't wait to get my Badger's Drift t-shirt. It's already available on our shop. But if you do the other part, you can have a chance to win one. Yep. Randomly, three people. It's not going to be like the best, the fanciest, no. the most over the top Randomly. photo or whatever. You don't have to put your own face in it if you don't want to. You can take a picture of Bernie in front of a local landmark or we something else that's fun. want to know where you are. And tell us where you are. And, and then we will eventually put all those folks on a map, not yep. identified, but on a map. So you can see 
or your fellow maniacs are. Yes. That would be really fun yeah. to see. And That's if you get contest. one of the new Badgers Drift t-shirts or any piece of merch, if you ever get any of our merch, take a picture of it. And send it to us because we love seeing it. Or post it, whatever, wherever you want to put it. Yeah, that's always so fun. Thank you so much, Hillary, for drawing it. It's epic. The fact that people are walking around with our logo is strange. It looks super cool on a t-shirt. So, yep, I'm I'm also in the camp of can't wait till I get it. I have ordered a mug. Oh, you have? Yes. Why didn't we order a t-shirt for me at the same time? Who says we didn't? Oh, Happy Valentine's Day. No, I got you a wallet for Valentine's That's Day. I've true. already given it to you. It had a joke on uh, one side. I got you pots and pans. You got me a skillet I really, really wanted. Yes, I did. So it wasn't like you were like, here, woman, here's a vacuum or something. No. You got me a skillet that I actually really enjoy using. It makes me Good. very happy. Good. Are we ready to dive into Death by Persuasion? Yes. Broadcast the 13th of May, 2018, and filming September, October, 2016. 5.82 million views, directed by Alex Pillay, and written by Chris Murray. No, I've never asked you this. You always look up the view stats. Are the views, by the time we get to season 19, higher, lower than they were in the earlier seasons, the same? Okay, we have to understand this in the context of television. Right. Okay. In television, in the 1990s, there were shows that regularly got between 20 and 25 million views. I know. Okay. I know. Because there were fewer things to watch, and you had to watch it when it was on. You had to watch it when it was on. Thanks, Grandpa. Okay. So, so now the fact that they get about 6 million views on average per mm-hmm. episode is very good. Okay. Yeah. And But it didn't, like, dip suddenly when we got the new Barnaby. It stayed pretty constant. No, it's been on a... A lowering, slowly lowering trajectory like all television. Yeah. It is following the exact same curve of all television. Okay. I was just curious. It's not the most popular show in England. Strangely enough, still, uh, the most popular sort of show like this in England is Death in Paradise. Hmm. It's hugely popular. It's not... Because it's warm. It's not... um, (laughs) Strictly ballroom is... Still, oh well, yeah. I mean, there's, a, there's always the, you know the bake show is immensely yeah. huge. Nonfiction shows but, have yeah. taken over. Reality yeah. shows have taken over. We knew that. I was just curious. But Sorry, th- this does very well. Yeah, very well. Especially for a show that's been around for so long. One of my coworkers and I were talking about TV a few weeks ago, and I finally convinced her to get Acorn, and because uh, there was something else on there I thought she would like, and then she came and said, "Yeah, Acorn is always pushing this show called like." Midsummer, mer- I'm like, woman, that's the thing that my husband and I have been making a podcast about for years. Yes, I know all about this show. You should watch it. Yeah, of course it's popular. It's awesome. You should watch it. And she's watched it now. And she's not like, oh, it's amazing. So now I don't know what I think of her. No, it's not like Danish who didn't like it at all. <laughs> Your friend, yeah. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about if you're out there listening right now anyway. I still love you. It's okay. So this the is other the, thing, mm-hmm, the other thing. The other thing news this week is uh, the book that's been out in England is now out in the U.S. Well, it's out Tuesday in the U.S. The, the could you survive Midsummer? Can you avoid the bizarre death in England's most dangerous county? Mm-hmm. By Simon Brew, who's like a TV critic. We've stuff. been trying to get him on the show. Trying to get him on the show. So Simon, if you know Simon, yeah, tell him to reply. Ring he him re- up. 
We want to get him on the show. So it's like a choose your own adventure book, Mm -hmm. but we'll get ours on Tuesday. Cool. So we'll maybe do like a little book review. It's an interactive novel. My response to the book will be solely based on whether or not he responds to your second email. Well then, Simon. Just got to say, I'll like it a lot more if you agree to come on the show and talk to us about it. I got to agree with that. This is an episode of Midsummer where people wear costumes. No, wait, wait. Okay, wait. Me and Bobby have an idea. Okay. Okay. I want to do an episode with drones Uh and he wants to do an episode with Georgian costumes. Let's do them together. Yeah. What? What? <laughs> we'll have super future and super past mash them up. But it is awesome. kind of cool. The, it is fun. The, the opening fun is cool episode. because you're like, oh, is this, is this actually Midsummer? Is this, is this 1754? Oh, Midsummer. and this is an interesting so, drone no, shot no. they're doing. It's yeah, funny. So, Wait a minute. It's actually. A, it's an actual drone. It's got crosshairs and stuff. Yep. And it's like being all nosy and zooming in on people. It needed the $6 million man sound. <laughs> There's somebody in our neighborhood who has a quadcopter and flies it around, especially in the summertime. Yep. And it bugs the hell out of me because it's not stealth copter like these are apparently. It's well, like, and they fly it into our backyard like 15 feet away from us while we're standing outside okay. with the dog. You're maybe exaggerating. What are you saying? I, I've seen it below our roof line. It's not been below our roof It line. has. When I've been outside, it has been below our roof line. And it's so loud. It's very loud. And it, it, whoever it is, they're nosy. They are nosy. But I got to admit. I slept in the bird once. I got to admit. <laughs> if I had a drone, I'd drive it all over the neighborhood. <laughs> You'd be like, catch me if you can, coppers. I bought my dad a drone for Father's Day a couple years ago. Uh, not a drone, a quadcopter. We'll get to that. It is an RC helicopter to fly around with a night vision camera on it and everything else. And I don't think he's ever gotten it out of the box because he's afraid of it. It's too confusing. <laughs> we we got one at the same time. And I don't, I want to get a better one. Yeah. Because they've improved right, since then. Of course. And they're really hard to fly. Yeah, they are. Okay. Can we just call them drones? We can until call them we drones. get to the, the discussion of what they actually are. Maybe we should just have that discussion now. Okay. Let's just get it out Let's of the way. Let's get it okay? out of the way. Because I'm uptight about it. Yes. Right? A drone, an actual drone, airborne, refers to an unmanned vehicle that doesn't have a pilot. Right? So there are military drones. They set them on a path and they fly around autonomously. Like, like when they're doing satellite imaging. And yes. Stuff like or... For surveillance in war zones, right? So What they used to do in U-2s. Yes. So it flies around all its own, and then it comes back to base at a certain time or when the battery gets low. That's an actual drone, right? Like a drone vacuum cleaner. Like a Roomba. Yes. Yes. Roombas are drones. Roombas are drones. Yes. And in reality, most drones look like small jet planes. Yes. Because... It takes a lot of brain for it to be autonomous. Yes. What is in this episode are quadcopters, RC quadcopters. Yeah. Okay. They're remote controlled. That's why Ronan has to drive it with his joystick. They're not driven by artificial intelligence or anything like that. They're quadcopters. Okay. I got it out of my system. Now, this thing's always annoyed me. And I finally found out why people insist on using the terms interchangeably, why they call RC copters drones. Why? Because, this is funny, goes all the way back to the 1930s. Okay. In the 1930s, the British 
produced a number of radio-controlled aircraft. They were small, and they were used for training purposes. And the, the names of them were DH-82B, and for fun, they called them Queen Bees. Okay. And when they made smaller ones, they called them Drone Bees because uh-huh. they were smaller than the Queen Bees. And since then, RC planes used for the military in the UK have been referred to as drones, colloquially. Oh, I didn't know that at all. Now you know. No, I know. And now I feel a bit more forgiving about people using the term drone for things that are clearly not drones. Excellent. I'm okay with that now. What are they using them for in this episode? To deliver medicines and blackmail. (laughs) Oh, and contraband candy, apparently. Because at Whitcomb Grain, the home of the Oswoods, James and Kitty and their daughter, Polly. They are having a gorgeous Georgian week. So this is a Georgian house and the Oswoods have decided to bring the house back, fix it up, make some money by giving people an immersive sort of Jane Austen experience at the house, right? Okay, I have a question for you Mm -hmm. based on this. Mm -hmm. If you were to go away for a weekend to Mm -hmm. do a costume retreat, Mm -hmm. what would you do? Does it have to be a like a historical time no, period? No, doesn't it have could to be, be any costumes. Anything, but we have to go to immersive yep. whatever in that space is. Yeah, Star Trek. Star Trek. Yeah, you'd do Star Trek with me. Yeah. Oh wow, because I know you'd really like it. Oh my gosh. Sit as long as I don't have to wear the Ohura short skirt go go boot outfit, if I can wear like next generation Star Trek, I'm okay with that. There, it's like pants. So. Oh, there goes that. Sorry. I'm not really a go-go boot girl. I don't think I could pull it off. Okay. But yeah, I would do Star Trek. How about you? Star you can't, Trek. You can't pick Star Trek now. Star I Trek. Also, I wouldn't mind um, either 60s Britain. Oh, that'd be fine. You know, Austin Powers. Man. Austin Powers, man. <laughs> yeah. Or like uh, Art Deco 30s Britain. Oh, Poirot. Yeah, like Poirot. Yeah, that'd be fun. I don't think I would want to go back to the Georgian era because I don't know if you know this, but all of the women that you're looking at in this episode, if they are dressed period accurate, have on no underwear. Yeah. They didn't wear underwear. None. The only people, the only women who wore underwear in this era were prostitutes because they wore drawers that didn't have a crotch seam in them. But in general, women didn't wear anything. They wore like a slip. But they yeah. didn't actually wear like pants underneath because it would have messed up the line of the dress. So you think they're all uptight and they're all running around no undies on. No undies at all. The men wore undies though. So that's good. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's good. So Samantha is our victim, right? Samantha Berry. She's the one the drone catches being killed in the woods and she gets stabbed in the carotid artery with a quill pen. Yeah. Okay. So before that, what do you think this drone is? Like, this is a really nice drone. The one that we see following her? Yeah. Yeah, it's very nice. How much do you think that drone is? Oh, I think it's probably the same quality of drone they used to film those drone shots. Well, I I think it is the drone they used to film those drone shots. Yeah, so it's like movie quality thousands. Like 5,000? Like 10, probably. Eight eight grand to buy that. Yeah. That exact drone today. It's super fancy. No, it's a couple years ago. I bet you it was 10 grand then. Probably, yeah. Probably. So she gets stabbed in the throat in the woods and dies. Yeah. And they find her only two hours later because she's part of the gorgeous Georgian weekend and she goes missing. Okay. But the nib on the pen has a ball on the end of it. Not a ball. It has a nib. Okay. Right? Yeah. And I've got, I've got screenshots of this we can include in the show notes. The back of it is a quill. It's a goose feather. Yeah. And the front of it 
is a metal nib. But that nib would not break the skin. Oh, yeah, it would. They were sharp. Oh, it doesn't have like a little ball on the end. No. Okay. No. Because some fountain pens do. Some do, but that's mostly to slow down the diffusion yeah, of it, the ink, it's, right? It's So here, here's, here was my thing. God, we are getting so tedious so quickly here. Sorry. This anyway. is what they pay for, man. <laughs> they don't pay for anything. What are that's you talking true. about? <laughs> it's a feather, which quill pens... True quill pens, feather pens, that was what people in the Georgian era, era wrote with. Yep. Metal nibs, steel and silver metal nibs were invented, but they were not reliable. They were clunky. They weren't mass produced so yet. just the quill. So quills were predominant until like the 1840s or so. My gosh, everything changed in the first part of the 19th century. Yeah. I mean, because the era we're talking about probably is, you know, closer to like American Revolution. Yeah. Really. Right. So it's all feathers all the time. Yeah. Now I was like, but wait a minute, there's a metal nib on that in the front. It looks like a fountain pen. And on the back, it looks like a feather. What's up with that? They actually did that. Okay. So they had little nibs that they could put on in kind of that transition. Right. So the thing about a quill that makes it a great pen is that it's hollow. So the capillary action serves like a reservoir. It pulls the ink up. up into it. And so you can write longer with it and you can sharpen the nib. Yep. And and make it different, you know, widths and stuff and kind of customize it and resharpen it and use it over and over again, right? Yeah. So when the steel and, and silver nibs came around, people thought, oh, those would be great. But they didn't have a reservoir solution yet, right? So the only ink that it would draw up was through that little slit in the nib. That would perform some capillary action. And so you had to dip it right, dip it right, dip it right, dip it right. And so putting one of those on a quill... Kind of solved the problem. Really solved the problem. But you had to like attach it with like a rubber band. Huh. I mean, you, you, it wasn't because you, you swapped quills out all the time. Yeah. You know, so it was kind of a sloppy kind of mid solution between the transition between quills and pens. Writing then was, well, to me, writing was always sloppy until the <laughs> typewriter came along. You write like a serial killer to this day. I do. Your handwriting is it's not threatening. Good. Yes. <laughs> But I think, that being said, I think the nib would have stuck in her neck. So, I, I think it would have come off the quill. I think it would have been embedded in her neck, which makes a carotid artery injury even more interesting. So you have some carotid artery <laughs> stuff. In one of my forbidden Google searches. <laughs> because I really thought if you got stabbed in the carotid that it would spray. Because they just show like a little dribble of blood from her neck. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Now, if. If somebody slices your carotid artery, like clean open, it will shoot blood about 18 inches, but only for about 20 seconds and then you're dead. Yeah. Right? The bigger the hole, the less the pressure. Yeah. So a a sliced in half will shoot 18 inches. A punctured carotid artery can shoot up to six feet. Six feet! I know this because I'm a broken human being. And because I read the testimony of a, of a forensic examiner in a case where that had actually happened. So every time that we talk about how people should be covered in blood, we're kind of right. Um, in this case, we are definitely right because the, the nib of that pen is at least a quarter of an inch wide. So it, it wouldn't have, not like a vampire fang, right? Vampire fang is pointy. So it goes in and it's supposed to come out and the it's supposed to like close over it, right? 
Can we just say animal fang instead of a vampire? Well, but vampires bite people on their necks and they live, yeah. supposedly. Supposedly. Right? But this is meant to cause things to, to cause the ink to shoot out. I mean, it's hollow, right? Yeah. So it would like basically take a core sample of your carotid artery more or less. And so when it came out, it would kind of take a circle of it out, right? Yeah. That's about a half inch around. Cause that's kind of what happened in this case where I read the testimony. And this forensics guy said that the blood shot six feet. Six feet. For over two minutes. <laughs> before the person that's led to a death. monty python sketch it, well it does it it spurts with your pulse so yeah. we go split 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 yep split split <laughs> right so it would be like a, a bad garden sprinkler where the you know somebody's twisted the hose <laughs> by the way that is the beginning of the audio <laughs> Her rented costume would have blood shot all over it. Yeah. Okay. I don't care whether there's poison in it or not. And in this case that I read. What is that? <laughs> I've got added bonus episode information here. In this case that I was reading about, there was actually some kind of like oil or something on the implement this person was stabbed with. And there was no evidence of the oil on the stab wound. And they were like, see, it couldn't have been. That couldn't have been the murder weapon or whatever. And this forensic guy was like, oh, no. The spray would have been so strong that it would have washed it away. So the poison would have been washed away in this case. Yes. Unless she actually got it via some other entry point, like a hypodermic needle somewhere else. If it was on the nib, not going to work. That sucks. She would have slowly shot, shot blood out and bled to death. She really should have gone wandering back towards the house shooting blood out of her throat maybe hit the drone <laughs> yeah <laughs> the, the camera just goes red we're so broken we're so broken so she was a journalist and she was there being nosy per, but pretending to be there for yep the gorgeous georgian and the, weekend and the drone watches and then away yep so then we have a drone going down the street doing a delivery yeah what do you think about these drones flying along the street at like Head height. Okay. It seems really inefficient to me. I do agree. <laughs> the reason why drone delivery is exciting and probably a formality in the future mm -hmm. is that drones can fly over roads in road opposite direction that the roads go. Even they don't even have to follow the roads, no. right? They can go up. So this and so over this drone following the road is a little weird. Yeah. Especially since it's supposed to be using GPS to find its place, but clearly Ronin Ronin is driving it. Like if it was using a map, like if this was a Google Street Map drone, I might understand why it was following roads. But he's flying it. Yeah. So he should be going up and over. And later when Winter maps out the deliveries to see where the They're drone might have been, lines. he's he's mapping it as the crow flies, which is not the way the drone nope. works in this episode. Nope. It it has to follow the roads, apparently. I, nope. it, it's going to take somebody out. It is. Because <laughs> it flies right at head height. Drone delivery is people get glossed over eyes when I talk about drone delivery. Because drone Do you talk about it a lot? No, I don't because know Because <laughs> drone delivery is like driverless cars. Yeah. It is an inevitability. Yeah, it right? is. In 50 or 100 years, people will say, you drove your car. Yeah. That is the worst thing you could have been doing. People actually brought your dinner to your house in their car. You didn't just have a drone drop it off when you ordered delivery. Exactly. And yeah. that's, restaurants are the number one reason and 
area of drone delivery. I think pharmacies are a good target too. That's number two. You're sick and you need medicine. The last thing you want to do is go somewhere. Yeah. So there's actually a drone company in San Francisco's Mission District. It's called Quickie. Okay. Okay. But it's not spelled spelled Q-U-I-C-K-Y. No, it's spelled Q-U-I-Q-U-I. Quickie. And they are doing tests right now in the Mission District in San Francisco to deliver medicine. Yeah, it makes so, it just makes sense. Yeah, it it totally makes sense. But I almost so the in the episode there's like a canister with a screw on lid. They put the medication and they screw the lid on. They deliver it. I almost want a lock on that of some sort, like a passcode yeah, or there something. Needs to be a passcode because otherwise it. it's going to go to your neighbor's house and they're going to you know steal your whatever antibiotics. But I totally can see like a drone system that has a camera on it so that verifies your face. I go to the door and I open the door and they say, oh, we see you there. Mm -hmm. And they drop off the medicine and then they see you take the medicine, go into your house. Mm -hmm. Because a pharmacist can't be responsible after that. No. (laughs) Yeah. It's I mean, like flying looking in the windows. We got Are you enough, taking your pills we today? We got enough telehealth now. I don't see why that would be a problem. No. Unless you're bedridden, in which case the drone needs to like come into your house and hover over your bed. <laughs> you're really sick here. Is there something you wish was the drone delivered? Oh, definitely takeout. Takeout. Because it would be so much faster. It would be so much faster. Yeah, definitely food. Food. Especially drinks. after quarantine now. I mean, it's that. Yeah. I want the Dairy Queen drone army. (laughs) Ice cream delivery. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) I I might pay double for Dairy Queen if I could get it delivered by drone. Because it would still be cold when you got it. Yeah, still be cold. I don't know when I last had a hot pizza. The reason why this village is talking about Jane Austen all the time is because there's a legend that she stopped there for tea once. Which, it's funny that you say that because... uh, Okay, I watch some strange YouTube videos. And one of the ones I watch is about walking around English villages. Yes. And the one of the guys I watch was like just the other day was like, oh, Jane Austen stayed in this house. And it's like a total thing. Oh, it is. They get a plaque and everything. Yeah. But there's a controversy here because some people think that when she had tea there, she had it at Whitcomb Grange. And some people think she had it at the tea room in town, which is where... Um, Gemma Christie runs a tea room in a little Austin museum. Yeah. She's a total fake. I wonder how, how popular she was in the day. Not. Yeah. I don't think so at all. I mean, well, she was a woman, first of all. Yeah. Not that that's a problem for me, but in that society, in Georgian society, women weren't exactly, they, they couldn't vote. They couldn't own property. They couldn't. You know, if I remember correctly, the people who knew her knew that she wrote it. Her sisters, of course, knew. And they're among their social set. There was an awareness, but she wouldn't have been recognized on the street or anything. It wasn't like that kind of scenario because women just couldn't have that kind of publicity. It just wasn't seen, especially if you were upper class. It just wasn't okay. Yeah, it would jeopardize so much of her chances. Well, (laughs) she didn't really have to worry about that too much. No, but she's not the only writer in this episode. Yeah, what do you make of that? Sarah Barnaby's writing a historical romance novel out of nowhere. Okay, I've written a detective novel while working a full-time job. Yeah. Okay, I did that. I know. I got up at five o'clock in the morning and went to work to, to write for two hours before I worked. 
she has a small child. She can't do that. I know. And you don't know what time she got up to finish that chapter before she goes to work in the morning. I, I'm just saying she would look more bedraggled than she does. <laughs> she always looks put together. I hate her for that. Always, always. Second of all. I know she's into history. I mean, it's well established that she's yep. a historian. She's interested in history. But we've never gotten any kind of hint that she likes to write fiction at all or romance at all. And now all of a sudden she's immersed in writing this romance novel. Also, that is not how I would write a novel. (laughs) (laughs) And I realize I'm organization and productive. She has post-its on the wall. She has post-its. They're not color-coded. And she's really messy writing on them. Ring, ring, pot calling. Kettle, can you answer? The (laughs) post-its... Her handwriting is messy, really? The problem with her handwriting being messy is I can't read her post. <laughs> now I know why you're irritated. And I want to. I wanted to be Heroin irritated with when TV. I wanted to be irritated when Winter said, Oh, is it Chicklet? Like he just assumed that she was right in Chicklet. Yeah. But she is, so Yeah. You had to kind of let that go. He really shouldn't have assumed that. She could have been writing historical nonfiction. They still don't know what to do with Winters at this point. They're still figuring him out. Yeah, yeah. In the new episodes, he would never say that. No, he knows better. He's not Troy. Now, can we talk about family here? Because I was really confused for a little while. Okay. So we've got Mary Oswood, who is married to Walter, right? She's his second wife for some reason. We don't know if the first one died or divorced or whatever, right? Walter's son is James. So yes. Mary, the pharmacist, is James from the gorgeous Georgian's stepmother. Yes. Right? And he's married to Kitty. Yes. And their child is Polly. Yes. Who and, I, I love Polly. Well, and you, her Beats headphones. You do. And her colored hair. Of course you like Polly. She's played by Joan Ty, Jody Tyak, who's in Agatha Raisin now. Yes. And she's great in Agatha Raisin. Yes. She basically plays the same character. She does indeed play the same character. Okay. So Kitty and James are married and they run the gorgeous Georgians. Kitty's sister, Nell, yes. runs the pub with her husband, Ray. Yes. Is that everybody the, who's related? That is, okay. Mary and Solomon run, he's the doctor and she's his pharmacist. They're not related. Right. Though her pharmacy consists of bottles with colored water in them. I know. Okay. We're just going to leave that. And Jane is Solomon's receptionist. And she's not related to anybody either. No. Okay. But Nell used to be a nurse and now runs a pub. And we, the only part that we miss is, well, the parts that we don't know yet. Okay. okay. And that Ronan is dating Polly. Right. And he works for Deadly Doug. Yes. Who is not deadly. But he sure is rich. a sniveling jerk. Man, oh man, I want that house. Yeah, it is a cool house. Except for the drone area that's outside! I don't get it. There are computers that are outside in that house. Can we put the most expensive stuff in a room that has no door and no roof? They do nothing but annoy me. Let's just put it on the porch. Why is that room outside? I don't know. Why is it So they can launch the drones. Why is that room outside? I don't know. Oh, the computers are outside. I thought the first time. I thought the first time I watched it that it has a retractable roof and we saw it, but we didn't see that. I was like, oh, yeah, it's not really outside. It must have a No, it's outside. It's outside. Yep. The now other there's person, a part that's inside. Yeah. There's but, a lab. But but the, no. The $10,000 drones are just sitting on a table in a little porch. That has a weird drone alarm. Wee-oo, wee-oo, wee-oo. How does that drone alarm go off? 
I guess it just senses the proximity. I hope it's like RFID and it recognizes the drones. And Otherwise, movement or the birds. birds. <laughs> 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 All the time. The other uh, person that we need to talk about before we dive too far in is Petra. Yes. Petra Antonescu. The one episode coroner. The one episode coroner. Yeah. Actually, the person who caught my eye mostly about Petra Mm -hmm. was she immediately yells at an assistant. Yes. (laughs) Demo. (laughs) I don't know who this demo person is. I feel sorry for her. She gets barked at. And she she also immediately has the hots for winter. Not Demo. But Petra no, does. Petra does. Yeah. She's kind of a flat character. Let's just be well, She's there. a one episode character. I mean, yeah. how, how deep can she be? Toby was deep. Just saying. You and Toby. The place where this is filmed, the house, is, is of the era. It's accurate. It has real follies and fake follies. That folly where they find the needle, is, I'm pretty sure that's in a Poirot. I think so, too. Because I think it's a real folly. If you're not familiar with follies, they they are outbuildings that very wealthy people built that often look like, you know, Greco-Roman temples or something like that. And they were vantage points of interest in the landscape. So you could take a little walk. They are 18th and 19th century she sheds. Yes, they are. That's what they are. Yeah. (laughs) Except they're not that useful. No. (laughs) But there's a little fake one in this one. Where Polly goes to use her phone that's yeah. clearly like painted plywood. Oh, that one is absolutely painted plywood. Yes, but real follies are typically stone. So the, these people are here at the house for a week. Yes. Not a weekend, a week. Yeah, I, I could not do anything like this for a week. I would be like, excuse me, I have to go check on my email. Well, and not only that. They they live, they have to wear period dress, which is impressive that the Gorgeous Georgians organization is fancy enough to have period dress for these people for seven days or whatever that fits them and is accurate. But beyond that, they, it's like they're in prison because all their luggage, their wallets, their phones and everything is kept in one room all together. Yeah. Because like- when they go to look at Samantha's stuff, she has like a labeled plastic valise that has her wallet and her phone should be in there. It's not. It's totally oblong society. It is oblong society. It is. It's definitely oblong. And that's the other benefit of doing the Star Trek one, because I would be like, oh, I'm using my communicator. <laughs> this is just my tricorder. It's not an iPhone. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Listen, it makes Star Trek sounds. <laughs> <laughs> You're a nerd. <laughs> but it's a level of commitment that I don't think I could buy into. A week. Except James, you know, has a laptop and a phone and everything in his office. So that's Jesus okay. Christ. What is the brazier budget for this show? <laughs> the oil lamp and brazier yes. budget. That's a good torch at the end, though. It is. We'll get there, but it's a good torch. Kitty's torch is a good one. Yep. So they're they're having a picnic when they discover that Samantha has been killed. Yes. And we see James Oswood, who is played by Samuel West. Yes. Who was we in The love. Animal Within. We just. Love and his Marcus is the guy who played Marcus in in the episode. His his dad is in Midsummer. Mm-hmm. They're all wonderful people and they do wonderful things. And he's in the new uh, All Creatures Great, Great and Small. Small, yeah, which uh, has a new season out on BritBox. Yeah, also if you like Samuel West, if you like him in this episode and you like him in All Creatures Great and Small, never ever ever watch the Wire in the Blood episodes that he's in. No, because he's the killer and he is 
odious. He it is. will change your mind about him. <laughs> it took me a long time to shake that off because he's so bad. He's not a nice man. I mean, good actor. Yep. Bad character. Yeah. Really bad. Yeah. But no, I, I much prefer him as this character or as the vet in All Creatures Great and Small. He's much, much better. He likes to play flawed men. And I think that's And he a does good a good thing. job at it. I yeah. think that's a good thing. Yeah, I think so too. Not flawed like wire in the blood. I kill people flawed, but oh. <sighs> really, really flawed. Rapes people too. It's just oh, it's just horrible. Yeah. Robson Green's good in that show though. I'm nerding out. Anyway, he seems to be bought into Kitty's idea, right? This is Kitty's family home. They've moved away before. They came back. They re they bought the family home back. And this is their idea to establish a business and bring the bring this the house is, back. Did did this remind you of the landscapers? Because they're constantly talking about Kitty being fragile. Yeah. So landscapers is an HBO show about the couple that murdered her parents with David Thewlis. Yeah, and, and Olivia Coleman. Yes. We we're definitely supposed to think that Kitty is fragile. That she's had a breakdown in the past and that she's not robust. And so she needs a lot of support. So her husband is extremely supportive. Her sister is extremely supportive. And this is her baby. This is her passion. And this is she their really wants first to do weekend. It. This is the first week that they're doing this gorgeous Georgians thing. Three people are not enough to run this. No. The footmen alone that they have when they have the ball, like they're putting out some serious money here. But in yeah. between, I guess... Polly does everything. She does all the 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 cooking Georgian and the, cooking. Like, no would they have a Georgian cooking specialist? They would need an army of people in the kitchen to make food for a dozen or Plus, twenty people or whatever. James says to Kitty when she says it's so nice to have a meal outside and so beautiful, and he says a movable feast, if you will. And they go, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> that makes no sense. No. <laughs> If, I mean, because you know, to me, movable feast is the I don't know who wrote it. Ernest but, Hemingway. But, so Ernest Hemingway wrote it. Right. The novel about him in Paris. Mm -hmm. It's biographical. But he's making a reference to. Yeah. A movable feast is a reference to a holy day that isn't set to a specific day, but is dependent on another holiday that floats. So like Easter. Yes. So it's always the third Thursday of whatever. Thanksgiving is a movable feast if it was religious, yes. right? Because yeah. it's on the third Thursday of November. Yeah. That's what a movable Pancake feast Tuesday is. Tuesday is a movable It feast. can move on the calendar. It has yes. nothing to do with where you eat. Yeah. It's a complete misuse of the term. Wow. Drones. That's, there's a, good, a, there's, that's a good Hemingway book. Okay. Movable if you say feast. so. I've yeah. never liked Hemingway. but I know you don't like Hemingway, but... Uh, um, there's a place in Hyde Park in London called the Governor's House where you can go to in-character Austin weekends. Oh. And you can wear your Georgian outfits. They even have a partnership with a place that rents them. So you can rent your outfits for the weekend. So they go to the other Jane Austen area in town. Before that... Okay. Polly has her best line of the episode. Okay. She's talking about how Solomon is handsome. Yes. And she says he's everybody's Mr. Dorky. Mr. Dorky. Yes. <laughs> Instead of Mr. Darcy. That's fantastic. <laughs> Mr. Dorky. Mr. Dorky. Is, I'm never going to think of Mr. Darcy as anything else. Yeah, he's, he's Mr. Mr. Dorky from now on. So the other place they go to is the Jane Austen Friendship Circle. Yes. Run by Gemma Christie who does not approve of the gorgeous Georgian weekend. Now, there's a newspaper here. 
Of course there is. It has two very important things in it. Mm -hmm. The first one is government trials drone medical service in Whitcomb Mallet. That's in Samantha's suitcase. Yes. Yes. That is the whole point of the episode. Yes. Did you see the other headline in the newspaper? Of course not, but you did, I'm sure. The other headline (laughs) in the newspaper may be the most atrociously unbelievable thing ever (laughs) put in a newspaper. Now, wait a minute. This is midsummer. We've seen UFO headlines. What does it say? Midsummer voted best place to live in England. On opposite day. <laughs> With a murder rate in its hundreds. How could it be voted best place to live in England? Who is doing the voting for this? Only people in midsummer. Because <laughs> they're all they're all determined to stay there. So they're like, it's the best place. That's why we still live here. We, it, that's why we haven't run for our lives. So British. Like <laughs> <laughs> because it should be Midsummer voted best county to live in England, not best place. Where is the Midsummer place? <laughs> maybe they that's it. Totally put that headline in to it, be like Mark's going to see this. It, maybe, maybe actual Midsummer place is like a little street. No, it's not capitalized. Else. Not capitalized. <laughs> Midsummer voted best place to live in England. That's a, totally a joke. That is the least likely poll I've ever. Heard. They're totally making a joke on themselves there. Yeah. Gemma keeps the key to the antiquities cabinet in a in a book yes. with a hole cut in it that's key size. Well, okay. <laughs> She's also not exactly a scholar about Jane Austen, too. Why is she faking it? I don't. Why can't she just be an, an amateur big fan? Why do, do you think that she pretends she's an Oxford graduate and all this stuff because she just wants to think that her tea room is the place and that's why people should come there and that's the only way she can kind of back it up to get people to believe that she's right about it? So I don't know if Gemma's faking this education and expertise just for business, just to justify her business and get more people to come there to the tea room, Maybe. or if she's doing it for, I think it's more for reputation. She I wants think so, reputation. She wants to be thought of well. Reputation um, is important in a small town. I guess. Especially when it's the best place to live. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Ronan is exceptionally techy, can drive a drone and run like eight monitors at once on his super duper computer system that's out sitting in the yard, but doesn't know about storing stuff on the cloud. Yeah. So his vulnerable laptop that he doesn't take home at night when he leaves work. Hello. That thing would never leave his side. Never. Even though it's only a Sony Vio, it would be with him all the time. Also, laptops don't burn. <laughs> yes, they do. You'd if you to, pour an accelerant on if it. If you poured an accelerant on it and had a flamethrower. No. I think if you, if you doused it with alcohol and lit it, I think it would burn. Well, that's not the experiment I did for this episode, but more about that later. <laughs> you actually did a practical experiment for this episode. To prove a theory yep. about this episode. Yep. And we haven't even got there yet. Nope. Sarah says she's going to go to the dance at the Grange. She's invited Petra to go with her. Yes. She's already got an outfit. And then we find out from Petra that Samantha was poisoned. That sucks. No, she was poisoned with sucks. That sucks. She was poisoned with succinylcholine. Do you know anything about it other no. than what you learned in the episode? Because I can tell you some interesting things. Tell me some stuff about it. Its primary use. Does it make you play five aside? No. 
its primary use is um, at a as a paral- paralyzing agent when you're being intubated. Okay. So they use it. It's it's intravenous. You get a you get a shot, and then along with another medicine called etomidate. So they call them Edo and sucks. Okay. Because it's a combination of medicines. Isn't that a hip hop group, <laughs> yes. group from 2017? Edo and sucks. It's a combination of medications they give you when you have to be rapid intubated because it it paralyzes your larynx and means that your throat won't shut or spasm and you won't choke when they're intubating you. What's even better, in addition to Edo and Sucks, there's also um, a reversal agent they give after you've been intubated Mm -hmm. to to relax those muscles again. And it's called Sugamadex. Sugamadex. It's called Sugamadex, or I guess it could be Sugamadex, like sugar, S-U-G-A. Um, Sugamadex. But if you get Edo and sucks, you need Sugamadex as the remedy. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody's laughing about this but me. Oh, I'm I, laughing. I, I read this in like a medical journal explaining the procedure, and I'm like, really? There are people in emergency rooms going, get me the Edo and sucks and be ready with the Sugamadex. <laughs> and they don't giggle. I yeah. would giggle every time. I would giggle. I'm 12. Speaking of giggling, <laughs> did you see the posters in the doctor's office? No. Oh, they're so quaint. Flu can kill. Oh, yeah. So can COVID, buddy. <laughs> like it, they're all about vaccines and flu. Sucks can kill. I'm like, <laughs> if you don't have Sugamadex, <laughs> I was like, those were the days. <laughs> yeah. When vaccinations were like good ideas. <laughs> Winter says he's going to do his hair instead of going to the party. I thought he said he was going to play five on a side. Yeah. So what's five on a side? I thought it was soccer. It's soccer. Yeah. So there's smaller fields so that you don't. Right. It's like like going and playing basketball at the courts. It's half court. Yeah. Like half court basketball. Yeah. So that you don't have to be a professional athlete. You don't have to run so far. Giant pitch. And you also don't have to round up 12 friends to play on your team. You can just have four additional friends to play on your team. Yes. What did you make of Walter's career ending issue? That he was a headmaster who hit a kid and was caught on drone camera. Okay. He does take responsibility for it. He does. Okay. But he hit a kid. Yeah. Who was asking for it. I don't care. (laughs) We don't know whether he was like a five-year-old or like a 15-year-old or. it's. But neither way is right. (laughs) I know, but it's much worse if you're caught on camera hitting a toddler. (laughs) Don't you think? (laughs) (laughs) Why did you leave your last position while I punched a toddler? (laughs) Yes. And a drone (laughs) saw me do it. In the best place to live in. (laughs) Yes, I don't. I know that you're right about, you know, drones and delivery and stuff, but I don't I don't want to live in a world where I don't do bad things because I'm afraid a drone might be watching, (laughs) you know, absolutely like you accidentally roll through a stop sign that you didn't see. And then you look over and it's like people are worried about that. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Don't understand. And, you know. Deadly Doug is just everywhere with his drones filming everybody. It's it's the panic that's going to be caused because of privacy and drones is going to be again that sort of selfish panic of they could be looking what what I'm doing. What? 
gardening. Yeah, what are you doing that's so interesting? Are you hitting children? Then yeah. they're probably not watching you. Yeah. <laughs> are you punching toddlers? Nah. Are you now, dosing people now, with, there are legitimate with Edo things. and sucks? There are legitimate things. And there, there will be ways that drones are used to invade privacy that should be illegal. Like our neighbor who puts one in our backyard all the time and you don't believe me? Okay, it's not all the time. <laughs> You're right. He only does it in the summer. It's only a summer thing. Yes. Only in the summer do I go outside alone. And, and the hear, last time I the last time I was out there sunbathing naked, he went away right away. Oh, it's so, just me that he watches. Yeah. Okay. Now I now I'm down with it. I understand. <laughs> But like, wow, how bad would that be? Because you've just done something you know you shouldn't have done. You're immediately remorseful and it's absolutely bad. And then you hear that. And knowing Doug, he probably made the drone do a little dance. And then it flew away. Like, got you, I got you. And then emailed him the footage. I saw you, I saw you, I saw you, I saw Another post. In the doctor's office, this coughs and sneezes spread disease. <laughs> oh my God. And global pandemics. Coughs and sneezes spread diseases. Solomon is a bad doctor speaking about things that do things they shouldn't be doing. I don't care that you were in a car accident. You don't just shoot up morphine in a folly for fun. No. Okay. If you're in that much pain, you shouldn't be hanging out at gorgeous Georgians. And he would be out of it. This is part of the beginning of Midsummer using more people of color mm -hmm. in diverse set of roles. Mm -hmm. It's always a good thing. We've Very talked good. about it before. Yeah. But Lordy, in this episode, they're used as plot clip grade. Yeah, yeah. He and Jane are just set dressing. Yeah. They don't have a meaningful part to play, no. unfortunately. You know who's coming to their wedding? Nobody. The red herring. Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> because everybody gets arrested by the time they're in the <laughs> wedding duds. I love that email, though. I saw you. I, I saw, saw you. I saw you. I saw you. I saw you. Control C, control V, control V, control V, control V. And it's like an aerial or something. Yeah, it's an aerial. I would put it in like bloody font. Yeah. You know, there's a lot more scary fonts out there that you use. Because <laughs> Doug is blackmailing James. Now, we don't know at this point what he saw him doing. We suspect at this point that he saw him killing Samantha. Yes. But that's not the case. No. Then it's time for the dance. Yes. But before we go to the dance, mm -hmm. we keep talking about Georgians. Yes. But we've not really talked about Georgians. Okay. And we need to put it in context before we go dancing. Okay. So do you know the difference between Georgian and Regency period? Now, I believed that it was Georgian was the period of George the Third. the the king who lost the colonies. So mm. it would be around the 1770s. And then the regency was, was after that, where he was unable to be king because he was a little doolally. And they had a regency that was made up of a king that was too young to be king. That's what I thought it was. You're kind of on the track, but not quite right. Okay. So the Georgian era is a much longer era. It's from the 1710s all the way to the 1830s. Okay. Because it covers George the first through George the fourth. Okay. That's all Georgian because okay. it's George, George one, George two, two George, George three, three, George, George four. four. Right. That's okay. all Georgian. Regency is just the era that 
is once George III goes insane and is unable to rule, his son serves as king in regency. And that's He's a regent. George the George the Fourth. Right. And so until George the Third dies, that's the regency period where George the Fourth is standing in as king. George the Fourth was an awful king and he was a really awful regent. Thir- three and four were pretty bad. Four, I think four was worse than three. I mean, three George the Third, yes, he lost the colonies and, and then he developed dementia or he had syphilis or something, something. that caused his, his brain to go. But The Madness of King George is a very good movie. But though. George the Fourth was a slovenly pig with no manners. I mean, he was horrible. And he like basically drained the coffers of the royal family and and was embarrassing all over the place. So let's see how much more you know about this period. I'm going to give you a quiz now. Okay. And this is just on the Regency era, which is when this, the gorgeous Georgian retreat reenactment whatever you want to call it is set is in the regency era okay because that's the at least the, the jane austen time period and all that good stuff okay? okay all right so we're going to start with some easy ones these are true false okay okay so true or false in the regency period you could rent a pineapple true that is true true you could Pineapples were really exotic and very exotic. Yes. And so if you had a dinner party and you could put a pineapple on the middle of the table with other fruits, you looked very rich. Yep. But at the end of the party, you had to give it back. And they, they, well, they last a long time if you don't get into them. Right. They hardly ever, ever ate them. Yeah. (laughs) Because they were, they were like the equivalent of an average person's annual salary. Yeah. To buy one. Very expensive. Okay. So you got that one right. Yep. True or false? Okay. Regency era people loved ice cream and coffee was the flavor craze of the upper class. Clop coffee flavored ice cream. I think that's false. Why do you think it's false? Because I don't think they would have been able to make ice cream. Of course they would. And I think coffee was seen as a poor person's. No, this is the era of coffee houses. Okay. I'm wrong. But it's still false. Okay. Because the flavor, the flavor craze of the day was Parmesan. Parmesan ice cream. Yes. I'm not ordering that from DQ. <laughs> Do you have Parmesan soft serve? I don't. <laughs> smells like fate. <laughs> I don't know what that would taste like. No, I don't either. They had a lot of savory ice creams. Okay, true or false? The length of the candles determined how long a party was going to be. Let's go true with that. And I mean that you chose the candles based on how long you wanted people to stay, not... Oh, the candles have run out. I guess everybody has to leave. Yeah, true. It is true. I'm like three for three here. You could tell how long a party was intended to go by looking at the candles that the host used. So if you showed up at the dance. Candles were so important before electricity. If you showed up at the dance and there were four-hour candles and all the candelabras, you knew it was only going to be a four-hour party. What about the braziers? If you showed up and there were eight-hour candles, it was on. It was stay overnight. They were going to give you breakfast when it was over. Nice. Like you're going to stay up. All night I've doing your dances. I've got no underwear on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. True or false? Regency era houses didn't have real doorknobs. Okay. That's tough because what a real doorknob it. Like what's a real. Functional do- doorknobs. True. You're saying they did not have functional doorknobs. Yes. I'm saying they did not have functional doorknobs. It is true. Doorknobs that turned and actually controlled a latch weren't invented until 1878. There you go. So they had knobs that didn't turn. So you just pulled the door. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to keep it closed, there would have been a latch. Yeah. All right. These are far too easy. Okay. Are you ready for 
Level two. Okay. Level two. Now we're going to multiple choice. I'm four for four here. And this is all Regency slang. Ooh. I got these questions from a great site called wordwenches.typepad.com. It's a bunch of Regency era authors that write a blog together. Um, they've got really good slang quizzes for all kinds of different eras cool. of time. I wonder how good they are at Wordle. <laughs> Man, why did you even say that? Okay. All right. If you're under the hatches, under the hatches, are you hiding from authorities, a smuggler, in debt, or in prison? I'm going to go with in debt. That's right. Oh, yes. Why did you think that was the case? Um, because the other were very um, dramatic. Okay. I'm not sure about that reasoning. But... All right. Worked. Which one of these is not a term for being drunk? Okay. Not. From, not. from the Regency era. Okay. By the way, I'm five. To be shot in the neck, to have eaten whole cheese, to be jug bitten, or to give a tinker's dam. Tinker's dam. That's right. Six for six. Oh my gosh. Have you been watching Bridgerton or something? <laughs> no, but tinker's dam is like tempest in a teapot. Teacup. Okay. Teacup. Whole cheese? You whole. thought whole cheese meant being drunk? Whole cheese. Eating whole cheese? Yep. I guess that means you're like face down on the deck of the ship or something. Yeah, I think so. Okay. To plant someone a facer means to present them with an unpalatable fact, to set someone up in a fraud, to plant stolen goods on an innocent person, or just hit somebody in the face. I'm going to go with stolen goods. No. Oh. It means hit somebody in the face. Oh. Man, you planted him a facer. Yep. You got one wrong. I did. Ah, ah, ah. All right. Next to last question. Okay. Penultimate question. A bit of muslin is an unhemmed handkerchief, a scullery maid, a skilled pickpocket, or a mistress or lover. Mistress or lover. That's right. Yes. Why do you know so much about nine for ten? It's generally lower class mistress or a prostitute. Yep. Eight for He's nine. got a bit of muslin. Eight for nine. Man. Well, you're not going to get this last one. Okay. To be dicked in the knob. <laughs> do I have to have that drug to get dicked in the knob? <laughs> no. Will a drone watch me if I get dicked in the knob? <laughs> if you've been dicked in the knob, that means you've been cheated at cards, you're a simpleton. You're very drunk, or you've been shortchanged. Simpleton. Yes. Yes. Why did you think that? Because, like, noggin knob, head knob. So it's like that person has had a head injury, so they're they're dumb. Yeah. Nine of ten. Ninety percent. <laughs> you got an A minus. Good job, man. You did well on that. I, did. I didn't think you'd do so well. I did. I should have. I should have worked harder on my fake answers. Should have. Jeez. So they go to the dance. Yes. Sarah's, gorgeous Georgian. Sarah's there. Petra's there. Then John and Winter show up in their too tight pants, apparently. Everybody changes far too quickly here. They get access to period appropriate, nice costumes far too quickly. Yes. Like how many Regency era costume shops are in this Midsummer Village? Because you'd think the people staying at the Gorgeous Georgians retreat would probably have rented all of them. Yeah. But there's enough left over. There's like a dozen footmen at this thing too, wearing white wigs, just standing around. Never mind brazers. They're paying them, <laughs> but there's no band. No, there's no band. Nope. But there is Elder One. Because poor Polly didn't remember to order a band. Does she have to do everything? She does. No wonder she's selling the crack. I feel bad for her. She's not selling drugs. She's selling uh, uh, contraband bears. candy. Gummy bears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Elder wine, which is actually elderberry wine. 
I, I'm just immediately nervous that Petra chooses the red wine because she's wearing a white gown and so is Sarah. I'm like, you're going to get that all over you and you rented it. You're going to have to pay a big fee to get that out. Elder wine is also red, so. It, it didn't look red. It looked like champagne color. Yeah, it's red wine. Oh. So. If it was elderflower, would it be lighter Elder color? Elderflower wine? Elderberry is dark, but maybe elderflower is lighter. I think um, it is. Yeah, it is. It's a white wine. So that must be what it is. Yeah. And it's made by fermenting the flowers, like the blossom. How do all these people know the dances? I have a note in my notes that says, Winter would not know how to dance. <laughs> I mean, I would understand it if there was a dance instructor clearly there going, okay, this is how you do it. Now yep. you know. Now let's let's try it. Yeah. But apparently, uh, British people are just born knowing how to do Regency era dances. So, They're called uh, country dances. Yeah. I wonder if Oxford Lass knows how to do Regent, Regency dances. Probably. Probably. She'll let us know. Yes, she will. Meanwhile, somebody's got a shotgun. Well, first of all, they follow Polly out into the folly folly. She's making a phone call. Right, with the fake folly, the folly folly. Mm -hmm. they have the faux folly. The, the faux folly. Polly and the faux folly. <laughs> She's now going in the name of the episode. <laughs> Polly and the faux folly. Um, Ding dong, Polly's in the faux folly. <laughs> they have a lantern. That's a nice touch. Yes. They don't need to do that. But no, it's a but nice, it's fun. It's a nice little touch. There was gigantic fire here. So much so that the shutters and the windows were warped. Yep. And apparently haven't been replaced. And Petra is smart enough to notice that, I guess. She's observant. She's a forensics person. I guess. So then there's a shot and a, a person runs away. Somebody's breaking the law here by not securing those guns better. Yeah. Breaking the law. Breaking the law. Because they should be locked up. Yes. But they're not. So. And the shells are just in a drawer. They shoot that pretty mirror. Yeah. And Winter gives chase. Yeah, he does. In his breeches. This guy's breeches. So and then. And Gemma almost runs him over. Gemma almost runs him over. And we're led to think, first of all, that it's Gemma that is the person who shot it. No. No, no. She's just secretly desperate to have actually been at the party. But since she's, you know, against what they're doing, she can't want to go to the party. Yes. So she just has to spy through the window, I guess. Yep. You know who else doesn't go to the, the party? Who? Mom, mom, I got a part. <laughs> the babysitter. The babysitter. I think this is the first time we've seen a babysitter. Yeah. I she immediately went. Where's the baby? <laughs> asleep. Yeah, and then I realized it. she was asleep. Oh. And then they, uh, the Barnabys sit down with tea. And again, I'm nervous. I'm like, Sarah Barnaby, you go change out of that rented white gown right now. Or you spill something on it. Plus, if you drink tea that late, you're going to be up. Nah, not if you drink tea all the time. Ugh. I can drink tea and go to bed. No problem. Okay. Black tea doesn't matter. So Gemma and Mary are in cahoots to undermine the drone pilot. Yes. Pilot study. Yes. What, they got like two months or something like that? They've got Six funding to do that. It's, it's very limited, right? To do this, this experimental. The, that is the most realistic thing about the drones. That they the would episode. get funding for a very short period of time. Yeah, and then there would be a trial. Yeah. Because there's trials. I saw a whole bunch of articles about trials. And it would make sense that they would do a trial in a place like this that's smaller, yep. that probably has an older population that Absolutely. would find it more convenient. Yep. Though I worry that the drones shoot the drugs at the people. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, they just collect blackmail material oh. as they're delivering delivering the pharmacy oh, packages. Okay. There's blackmail all over the place. Yep. So Doug is blackmailing James, and Polly is delivering contraband. So she she could flip that around on people and get him in trouble. I guess they could get in trouble. Yeah. Kitty might wag her finger at him or something. I don't you know. You go home and we keep your money. What? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Taking his dress home with me then. There's nothing redeemable about Deadly Doug. No. Deadly Doug is a jerk. He is. He has a nice house. He has a beautiful house. Yep. That apparently he bought to run a drone pilot for six weeks. I guess. Why else would he live there? I don't I know. Don't know. Why, why would he want to live in the same small village where the biggest bully of his life also lives? Because he and James are like arch nemesis, nemesis, right? Nemesis. James is over it. Yeah. He doesn't care about Doug anymore, but Doug is like, well, I'm going to get retribution for that thing you did to me 40 years ago. I'm never going to yeah. let it go. Okay. Then suddenly we have a story about blue anoraks and, and unicorns. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that drops out of nowhere. They're all over the village. Everybody's got one. Why the have charity we run. never seen one since the first of the episode? Because Georgians didn't wear blue anoraks. I guess. I don't know. I, I mean, do you wear your charity run shirts around? Sometimes. I guess. Around the house. Then we have the most egregious suspension of disbelief in oh, this episode. Good Lord. Which Death is, number two. Yeah. Ronan. The alarm goes off. Incoming drone. Yep. Now he knows this drone must be the drone that he loaned to Ray. Why did he loan a $10,000 drone to Ray? I I don't know. Because Ray helped him out after his... Because Ray used to be a policeman and got him back on the straight and narrow when he was younger. So he loans out Doug's drones? I don't think so. I figured it all out. Oh, you're so going to die. <laughs> I was wrong, but now I've figured it out. Oh, yeah, he, he can't say, oh, it's you because it's a drone. Yeah. And he doesn't know who's flying it. He is very low dexterity. Because <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even try to dodge it. This the is drone, a dodge roll of a three. <laughs> he could probably jump and grab the knife from the drone. At the very least, he could put his arm up to protect himself. The very At least. The very least. I think this drone is about maybe 10 feet over his head. Yep. The knife can't be super heavy because the drone can carry it. So it can't be like a machete. It's like a Bowie knife at most. It drops on him. And because he's looking up, it goes through his breastbone and into his heart. Now. Which I think is impossible. Faithful listeners. We performed an experiment. You performed an experiment. Because I thought the knife would fall like non-balanced. You like thought as it soon would, as you let it go, the handle would It would flip, flip and the handle would like donk him in the forehead or something. Which would still hurt. Yeah, but it wouldn't kill you. How did she know he was there? How did she? How is she? It? How is Nell such an ace drone pilot? If she wasn't a criminal, she should be working for the military. My so, goodness. Or Amazon. I take a knife from the (laughs) knife drawer and go into the backyard with the dog. Yes. Now, I'm terrified that the dog is going to... Try to catch the knife. Catch the knife. But you did it anyway. Right. So, I go over to... Space brainy. Oh, you don't know this. I go to the end of the deck, which is about 10 feet in the air of our deck. And Olive followed me. On the deck. On the deck. Oh, so she was in for the experiment. Yeah, okay. so she's in for the experiment. What you doing, Dad? So what you going to do? So I lean over the side, and I drop the knife, and the knife goes, 
<laughs> right into the ground. Right into the ground. And it's cold outside, so the ground's kind of hard. Right. So I was like, oh, I guess that could have worked. And I looked down, and Olive was looking at the knife. And then she looked up at me like, yeah, I guess so, Dad. That worked. Yep. You going to go get that? Because I'm not going to go get it. That's all you need is Olive running around with a knife in her mouth. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> She gets the zoomies so bad, none of us would have Achilles tendons anymore no. if she had a knife. <laughs> this is going to jeopardize your trial. I still don't think that it would have worked because it has no. to go through serious bone. It would have had to be the sharpest knife. It would have had to be super precise. She and better, Ronan has to be super stupid she, not to move. She had better luck doing this by throwing the knife like a circus trainer. Yeah, yeah. She has better luck if she just flew into him and hope that the drone's blades would have like chopped his eyes out or something. something. You know, like put him in a blender, basically. It's certainly not a regular or predictable method of death. No. And if he did manage to dodge or it didn't kill him, let's say he three. put his arm up. He needed a three. <laughs> if he did manage to block it somehow and not die, he knows one of two people has done it. It's either Ray or Nell because he loaned them the drone. Yeah. He knows it's not him, and he knows it's not dangerous, deadly Dan. Doug. Doug Dan. Deadly Doug. Deadly Doug Dan. Yes. <laughs> then we get the historical plot. It's not quite Regency history. No. But it's historical. That 28 years ago, this fire that Petra sussed out. Yes. Was set at the house, and that some guy who used to hang out there named Johnny. Because, you know, Johnny bad, boys are all, bad boys are always yep. named Johnny. Look out, look out, look out. Um, that he set the fire at the Grange and went to jail for 20 years and he yep. was Kitty's boyfriend. So this is 28 years ago. Yeah. Okay. So the timeline's a bit weird here because 28 years there's ago. There's eight years missing. We don't know there's, and, what's going on. And because Johnny actually died only two months ago. Right. Johnny got out of prison. Yep. Came back looking for Kitty. Yep. Found Nell. Found Nell. And Nell, Nell said, was like, she doesn't want anything to do with you. You go away. Yep. Meanwhile, he finds his long-lost daughter, who he somehow conceived while in prison. You got that, did you? Because <laughs> Samantha is his daughter. And she is not. But she's in her 30s. Or no, they say she's in her late 20s when they ask, yeah. are you missing? Is there a woman missing who's in her late 20s? Yeah. So he must have knocked somebody up right before he went to prison? Yeah. Not Kitty? I guess. But he's the love of her life? Maybe, I guess. Maybe the other woman he was going to see. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Kitty's so fragile. <laughs> well, Nell sent him away, but not before he'd found his daughter and said, I went to prison because I stuck up for my girlfriend who actually started the fire. So I spent 20 years in prison and wasn't a part of your life because of her. And yeah. so Samantha's like, oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm going to go find her. Yep. So she goes to find Kitty. Yes. And that's how she ends up at Gorgeous Georgian. And she runs into Nell. And yep. Nell takes her out. Because she's going to confront Kitty about it. And Nell doesn't want that to happen. Because Kitty's so fragile. Okay. She can't handle it. So the other plot that comes out is, I'm the gay. Oh, wait a minute. I'm the gay, too. We're the gay together. Well, that we find out that Deadly Doug is blackmailing James, not over the murder. No. Or something else. He's blackmailing him because he's got drone footage because Doug's drones are everywhere of James and Ray, who are brothers-in-law. Yes. Kissing. 
proving that they're in a relationship. Yes. And he's going to tell Nell and Kitty. They're very much in love. James is willing to give him $100,000 to stop that. Yeah. Like, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. A lot, a lot of money. So we've got that plot going on, too. Kitty's awfully fragile. Goodness knows what's going to happen to Kitty when she finds out about that. And so we have Kitty on the stairs, which is the last scene. <laughs> Kitty woo! Kitty finds out now she's got every right to be upset. She's been married to this man for years and years and years. Both, they have a child together. Both wives have every reason to be upset. Yes. Okay? Yes. But they also... When you and your sister find out that your husbands have been having an affair... Yes. For, that, tw- for 20 years That is a off. time to be mad. There's that's devastating. Yeah. It makes you question everything that's happened yep. in that whole time, right? Yep. All your the relationship, everything you thought you knew. But the way Kitty expresses that devastation is by lighting a torch and threatening to light James on fire. It's a really nice torch. <laughs> it's a strange reaction. It is. While well, she's fragile. <laughs> and then in the background, we've got Solomon and Jane pretending to get married for nobody. Yes. And Barnaby and Winter show up and slowly go to the back of the house. Yeah. I'm like, uh, hurry. Because they don't know what's going on. Yeah. Johnny was her only love. She could have been happy. Yeah. No. And at this point, we're still figuring out that it's kind of implied here that Fragile Kitty did it. She says, she, well... She started the fire. I don't know why Johnny ever had to confess to it. It was a, it was an accident. She kicked over a heater. Because someone died. Yeah, but it was still an accident. That must happen in old houses like that all the time. Has to. People still die in accidents with space heaters. Yeah. She could have confessed that. She could have said, I got drunk because I was sad because I thought my boyfriend wasn't going to be with me anymore. Yeah. And I kicked it over and I ran out because I was scared of the fire. I didn't think anybody else was there. The housekeeper was there and she died. And that's tragic. But nobody had to go to prison. No. Nobody. It, at the most, Kitty might have gone away for a little while, like a year. Yeah. For not calling 999 or something before and she probably needed a break. <laughs> she needed a break? Wouldn't have done her any problems to no. take a break. Well, I don't, she couldn't have handled prison. She wouldn't have survived. No. She's fragile. Well, Nell takes care of things. When did she learn how to fly a drone? I have in my notes. And when did she learn to fly a drone? <laughs> <laughs> and when did Winter learn how to drive a drone so well? Because he can deliver beer by drone and not spill it. Yeah. That's impressive. It is. I've tried to fly one. I couldn't fly it across the yard without crashing into something. No. Where did he get that drone? He's not nearly That's as good as our neighbor. dollar drone. Our neighbor's much better at okay. flying a drone than that than, than he would be. <laughs> Best corpse. Okay. Samantha so, or Ronan? I'm going to say Samantha. Because we see her? Yeah. Ronan, we don't even really see. We see him sitting on the ground. Yeah. With his, uh, the knife is big and it's sticking out of his chest. It's so close to his face. Yeah. But it's from a distance. He's pretty far away from the camera. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's a tie. I'm not impressed with either of their corpses because Samantha really should be spattered like a Pollock painting. Yeah. I'd be more impressed if she was. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it really would have been, the knife would have been much more credible if he had went like, what? And it had gone down his throat and killed him. Yeah. That would have been a good corpse. Yeah. And a more credible way to die. Yep, but. 
probably not going to pass the ITV censors. Man, come on. That's there why there's old ladies who watch this show. There's, that's why there's not uh, projectile bleeding. Yes. That's what they call it. After the credits? After the credits. Uh, Gemma has uh, some problems with her e-shop. You know, I don't think anybody's going to care. Do you think the trial's going to go forward and be successful? With now? No, the the uh, the, the drone trial. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. But what will probably happen is that it will come out that Deadly Doug was trying to blackmail people and is a bad person. Yeah. And so in theory, it's a good idea, but the contract will be given to somebody else. I don't think he's going to go to jail, but I think maybe his reputation is ruined. Yeah, I'd say so. I because think Ray and James live heavily after, happily ever after. I think so too. Solomon and Jane could live heavily, happily ever after. I don't know how much of their romance is staged for... Yeah. Gorgeous Georgians and how much of it is real. Yeah, I don't know either. Petra disappears. Or Petra goes back to where she came from. Yeah. Because, you know, Winter is more in love with Cam. What? <sighs> Whatever. I don't think so. Kitty's sad. In oh, and jail? Why is she going I, to jail? I don't know why they take her I don't away. Know why except do. that maybe she's actually suspected of murdering the housekeeper and letting somebody else take the rap for it. And you know, threatening the life of her husband with a torch. So maybe she could cool off a bit. I hope Polly takes all her money and still goes to the, the Ibiza. Yeah, I hope she and Ronan go traveling. Well, she can't no, go traveling can't with go Ronan. Go She's got to go by herself. That's yeah. too sad. Yeah, it is sad. I don't I, think they were love of each other's lives. I love that Polly's crying that Ronan is dead and Kitty comes in and goes, I know all about first loves. Yeah, you let yours go to prison for you. Yeah. You're broken. Kitty's broken. Fragile. I hope Polly spends lots of time with her dad, who clearly cares about her, Yep. and his awesome boyfriend, and they are super happy together and run the pub as a big family. Yes. Because Nell's not going to be running the pub. Nope. Mary and Walter can be old and grumpy together. Yeah. And I think Walter will be supportive of James and Ray. I think so, too. I think that'll be all right, and Mary will probably go... You know, maybe drones aren't so bad after all. I think with both of them, it's kind of a situation of, yeah, we all knew. Mm, maybe. Yeah. And that's it. Yep. That's everybody. That is death by persuasion. We got Polly and the faux folly. Episode 116 next. The Curse of the Ninth. Season 19, episode 6. That's on the 23rd. 1st of February. 28th of February. Episodes 117, The Ghost of Costan Abbey. Season 20, episode 01. And then maybe something special. Something for special. Future there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the meantime, download those Bernie the Badger pictures. Spotify reviews. Midsummer Maniacs on Twitter, Instagram, and email. Post to Facebook groups on Midsummer and Acorn and the subreddit. Give us reviews on Apple iTunes and Spotify. We've got Five-star reviews from Spotify already. It's great. Which is fantastic. Thank you so much for doing that. We yeah. appreciate it. Like it helps and other subscribe people find the show. on YouTube and hit the bell. Of all of our viewers on YouTube, how many do you think are subscribed? I don't know. 49%. Get on that button, folks. <laughs> Click that button. That's the button. only thing left before we can have a community page is subscriptions. Then we can do watch parties then and all kinds of fun stuff. we can do watch parties and all sorts of super interesting things. We thing. could be doing fun things on YouTube. Yep. Since since Midsummer is on YouTube, we can like do stuff there. and subscribe. Please. Hit um, that bell. And uh, go check out the, the new shirts 
it, just to see the design. It's yeah. all, you don't have it's to buy anything. Just check design. it out. It's cool. Yep. It's really cool. And, and take your picture with Bernie. Yep. Bernie Midsummer is the hashtag. Send it to our email, our Twitter, or our face, uh, or our Instagram. Yeah. Thanks again, Hillary, for that awesome design. We really appreciate Hillary's it. Hillary's awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Until next time. Bye, maniacs. Bye, maniacs. Those people, even though rich in the Georgian period, ate like crap. They ate like cold meat constantly. Yes. Not that cold meat is bad, but they ate fatty, cold, And gross. things that took preparation if you were yeah. fancy. Yeah. Lots of jellies. Jellies. Lots of aspects. Aspect. Yeah. Meat flavored jelly is right out. The aspect of aspect. Is gross, whatever yes. it is.